Welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Pash, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals announcer. Our guest this week is J.J. Watt, Arizona Cardinals defensive lineman and future Hall of Famer. We talk a ton about the 2021 season as well as the 2022 Arizona Cardinals season, but we also get into J.J.'s background. Growing up an elite hockey player, being a Milwaukee Bucks fan, what J.J. would like to do after football, also, all of his philanthropy efforts, as well as a time this offseason, J.J. went to a bar just to hang out with sports fans in Arizona. My boy was very cool. I was there for about two hours and uh, just had some beer, hung out, took photos with them, signed autographs, whatever they wanted, but also got to just hang, got to hang and just talk with a few of them and got to play a full round of Golden Tea, which was great. We'll discuss what the next step is for Kyler Murray, JJ's thoughts on some of the offseason moves by the Cardinals as well. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. Sign up for BetMGM today using code CARDS1000 and get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 and over, Arizona only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, here's our guest for this edition of the Dave Pash Podcast, J.J. Watt. So, J.J., first of all, I'm sure Cardinal fans want to know how's your health because obviously you had an incredibly significant injury last year that remarkably you came back from the play in the postseason you're here now for OTAs and workouts. How do you feel? I feel great. Uh, I feel great. Obviously, was able to come back for that and haven't had any issues whatsoever and I'm fully normally functioning. How significant really was that injury? Because a lot of people at the time were saying it's shoulder, and then there was reports that it's a lot more than yeah. the shoulder. No, it was pretty bad. Um, thankfully, it's behind me for sure, but it was uh, it was pretty bad. Initially, they were only supposed to open up one big scar and then do like a scope on the back and then when I woke up there were two huge scars and two scope holes so uh there was a little more a little more than expected and it was uh it was pretty much a total loss in there but they they put it back together extremely well and uh I'm very thankful to have great doctors and great people helping me get back and a little bit of luck as well how did you stay motivated during that time because I remember you saying early on in the process that you wanted to be back for the playoffs and that was your goal. And athletes say that all the time, and sometimes it's not realistic. And a lot of people thought it wasn't realistic for you. So how did you stay motivated and persistent to make sure that you got back for that game? Yeah, I mean, when you're in the building every day, it's easy. I mean, you see the guys, you see them work, and you watch them practice and go to meetings, and you want to be a part of it as a competitor, as an athlete. You want to be a part of that, and you see it in front of you every day. And not every day is easy. I mean, it's extremely difficult. Some days are depressing. Some days are tough. Some days the rehab doesn't go as well as you'd hope it would. Um, and those guys, seeing them every day and them coming through and dapping you up and wishing you the best every day and just chatting with you, shooting the breeze, it just makes you want to get back out there. It makes you want to work that much harder, makes you want to do everything the right way so you can get back on that field and help them out. So other than this podcast, which I do for the Cardinals and – in the off season, it's not regular. My season ended last week. I, my last game was game six of Philly-Miami. So I'm technically – I don't have to do another game until preseason. So, like, for me, when my season's over, I, I watch 
the NBA playoffs, but it's not like I'm sitting around watching baseball. I'm kind of right. get away from sports and, and do other things. When, when our the Cardinals season ended, what were your thoughts? What did you do? Did you want to get away from it? Did you want to go back and watch the tape and talk to guys about it, or did you just want to escape? Um, you you want to work, I think, especially the way it ended, and especially for myself having been injured up until that last game and then coming back. I mean, I – I wanted to get right back to work. I mean, I was unable to, to do anything for the second half of the season, so I was ready to immediately get back to work and put that loss behind us and do whatever we could to be ready for the next season. Um, but then you also you do try and find your spaces to get away. You try and find your time to relax, reconnect with family, get as much time with the wife as I can, and, and we took a couple trips here and there. But for the most part, I mean, I was back in with Buddy the next day. We just wanted to, We just wanted to get back to work. Speaking of the NBA playoffs, uh, the Bucks. So I did game three, Boston-Milwaukee, and I don't know if you remember that game. That was a game Horford was on his hand. Yep. I thought after that, Milwaukee's going to win the series. Obviously, they didn't win the series. They get beat pretty badly in game seven. I know you're a Bucks fan. Pewaukee is, what, west of the city? Yeah, 15 Milwaukee. Um, what was your reaction to game seven? I mean, it was a rough weekend for me. Uh, it was a rough weekend for me. I had uh, Chelsea-Liverpool on Saturday. Uh, Chelsea took the L and PKs, and then I had the Bucks. obviously. Um, I mean, it's tough. When you got a guy like Milton out for the whole series and Giannis is trying to do everything in his power to put the team on his back the whole series, and he was incredible, but it's just kind of inevitable that at some point it's he can't keep doing it the whole time, and and then uh, on Sunday I had the Suns, and uh, it was rough as well. So it was a pretty tough sports weekend for me overall, but that's sports. I mean, that's the beauty of sport. You know, like you go on Twitter after the like, games, and I saw somebody put up this thing of Giannis, and it was saying, like, the Bucks last seven years with Giannis, and it was like first-round playoff exit, second-round playoff exit, first-round playoff exit, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA champions, first-round playoff exit. And they they were they were listing these things like it was a bad thing, and I was thinking to myself, "Dude's an NBA champion! Like you literally have in that list NBA champion who had 50 points by the way right. in the clinching game last and I year." Mean, and you're just like, we're just all of a sudden just breezing past that like it's like this guy's had a failure of a career. Like it's it's just funny to me in today's world how it's so we're just trying to find ways to on people, and it's just we we. We are so quick to do that and not nearly as quick to, to lift people up and to give them the praise that they deserve. And so it's just it's always funny for me to watch that type of stuff. So more on Giannis because I remember the first time I met you, and I'm sure you don't remember because you've met thousands of broadcasters and reporters over the years, but it was 2009 and then 2010, which was your last year at Wisconsin. It was really when you were taken off in 10, and I was working at the time with Chris Spielman and Bob Greasy. And I remember even Chris, when I met you, looked at you like, wow, that's a big dude. And Giannis is one of those guys, like, you're, and you're in that category. I don't think people realize how big you are, and I don't think people realize, like, what Giannis looks like when you mm -hmm. see him in person. It's different. Are there any professional athletes, and maybe you just stick with NFL, where, like, when you first see a guy that maybe you didn't know very well or you didn't see him in pads, you, th when you see him, you're like, man, that dude's a lot bigger than I thought. Um, I don't know too many in the NFL. I think of most in the NFL have been about what I thought. But I mean, I met Yao Yao Ming when I was in Houston, and I mean that yeah, it just blows you away. You're, oh, yeah. you're like, we we went out to lunch and watching him sit in a chair at a table, like 
is mind-boggling. It's just, you're trying the whole time we were eating. I was just trying to wrap my head around like his life. I was just trying to think about how he fits into cars and how he buys clothes and all these things. So um, I think NBA definitely is like that as well. Like when you go sit courtside at a game and you're truly up there and you're seeing the guys, and it's pretty incredible. That even us. I mean, I, I'm a pretty big guy, but you watch those guys and they're seven foot and they're doing things that are unbelievable. So you have a lot of respect for that in the NFL. Um, no, I can't. I can't really think of one guy that I was like, "Oh man, that guy's gigantic." <laughs> That's because you you dwarf most guys. So I <laughs> I get it. It's funny because Yao, it, what you know, he's not just tall; he's thick. Oh, like yeah. his lower body's thick. And Jeff Van Gundy's a, a buddy of mine, and Jeff coached him. It's hilarious. Back oh, yeah. when Jeff was coaching him, and I, I I assume you know Jeff from Houston because yeah. he's a huge Texan yeah. fan, and it was like Abbott and Costello with yeah. uh, with with Jeff and Yao. Yeah, he's well proportioned. He's not. It's not like he's just tall and lanky. He is. His body looks like it fits his height and it it's i mean i I just i can't figure out where he buys his clothes and how he goes about his daily life i don't know if people realize you were a great hockey player growing up do you still watch stanley cup playoffs yeah yeah i admittedly don't tune in too heavily until the playoffs but i the play i was talking to my wife last night about it the stanley cup playoffs are my favorite playoffs in all sports to watch um just the Everything about it is so intense, and, and obviously last night you had a couple games and you had the Rangers-Penguins go to overtime, and it's game seven overtime, winner takes all. And just those moments where it's one goal wins it and you know that there's going to be the elation of winning and there's going to be the devastation of losing, and it's you just you can't beat that. Were you on a traveling team growing up? Yeah, yeah, I played on a AAA team. Right? Yeah, I played on a AAA team that played all over Wisconsin, Canada, Minnesota, Michigan. And then I also played on another team uh, that went over to Germany and played in Germany and um, a couple tournaments over there. So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And you stopped playing because of football? No, I stopped playing. It was just extremely expensive. Yeah. Like we were a middle-class family, and I was fortunate to be able to do it for a while. But three boys playing on traveling teams, our, our parents kind of said, we can't afford it anymore. If you want to play on the local local team, you can, but we can't afford to be on the travel teams anymore. And um, so we kind of turned our attention to the other sports. Did you know about the tradition of Wisconsin hockey, like when you went there? To, cause oh, yeah. Because I, yeah. I grew up in Madison, and I, I was I went to football and basketball games growing up. I never went to hockey games. Yeah, no, I have uh, – it literally st- might still be somewhere in a box somewhere, but, like, in my childhood bedroom growing up, I had – we used to, uh, like, when I was probably – somewhere eight to ten years old we would go skate with the badgers like they have like a skate you could skate with the badgers and we went and skated with them and i got all their autographs on their team picture and it was hanging up on my wall for shoot probably until like five years ago <laughs> so it was uh yeah no I, I knew all about it the cole center um the int- like i think hockey has the best introductions in all of sports i think that they do the best job with their audio visual in terms of um the intros and the music and the announcers and shutting off all the lights and everything i think it's incredible so i was always attracted to that and the cole center does a really good job with their presentation as well so i love going to games there when i was in college i'm sure a lot of people are enjoying this conversation but they they're they probably feel like we're burying the lead here and not talking about the team so let's let's talk about first of all i guess your thoughts on the offseason so far and what you think of the moves that the cardinals have made whether it's free agency the trade with hollywood and the draft yeah, I mean, I, I obviously pay attention to it a little bit, but I also just control what I can control and do my job. Um, it's great to have Hollywood in. I saw him the day that he signed, and 
or the day that he got traded or however however it all went down but he was in very quickly after his trade and uh got a chance to meet with him and looking forward to him very very fast um will be great for our offense open things up even more um can never have too many weapons on that side of the ball and then uh the draft i mean we'll see how it all plays out you never know you know with the draft it's people love it people hate it people nobody knows not nobody knows and we all hope it turns out incredible so i'm looking forward to seeing these guys work looking forward to see how they go about their business and helping them in any way i can so i was doing a lot of interviews leading up to the draft and during the off season locally nationally people asking about the cardinals and a lot of people saying well they're not doing anything and obviously a lot has changed since then the hollywood trade being one of the moves that was made but also just in general you guys were 7-0 and and 10-2. and It's not like there needed to be a rebuild. So my question to you is, how close do you feel this group is? Because, you know, Adrian Wilson's been on this pod, Steve, Cliff, Quentin Harris, and everybody seems to think like you guys are close. You could feel 22 and contend for a championship. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't be much of a point in playing if we didn't think we could make it happen, you know. <laughs> Um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I'm looking forward to getting back out there with the group. I mean, we started out 7-0 and last year, and unfortunately it didn't end the way that we wanted it to. But that feeling and that the way that we were rolling and the way that we were going about things, there's no reason that that shouldn't have continued, and there's no reason that we can't make that happen again and continue it and sustain it. As you look at the room and you think about the possibilities, do you see some similarities to some of the teams you're on in Houston that won the division? Um, I mean, I have bigger aspirations than I've ever had in my own career. I mean, I've obviously won division titles and things like that, but I want to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the goal. So I'm, I'm done with any small goals. I'm done with any moral victories or anything like that. I mean, I'm here for one goal and one goal only, and that's to win a trophy. So that's what I'm working towards, and I think we have a good group who's capable of doing that and it's just a matter of putting it all together and doing it consistently week after week and making sure that we put in all the work and as you know the quarterback position is the one that's most scrutinized obviously and you played with some really good quarterbacks and in Houston you play with a great quarterback and you played with some quarterbacks that you know frankly weren't very good and you guys still were able to win Kyler obviously has an elite skill set and he clearly has grown since his rookie year before you got here what do you think's the next step for him? Um, I mean, I think that just playing it out, I mean, he, he's done it. He's played at an extremely high level. I think it's just obviously we need to finish out a season better. I think that's, but that's not on just him. That's on all of us. I think that it's being able to do it, take us to where we need to go from a playoff standpoint. And like I said, to, to go win a Super Bowl. And um, Every year in the league, you get better, you mature, you have, you learn the game you play differently year to year because you have more knowledge base you have more experience you you're you're mature and wiser so I'm looking forward to seeing his progress and looking forward to seeing the step that he takes this season how involved are you in his life in terms of having conversations whether it's in person or via text you know because a lot of times you you have you know the offense is on one side of the locker and the defense on the other and there's not much conversation going on even you know away from football but I know just based on your history, you're a guy that, you know, you're invested in your teammates. So I'm just curious that relationship with Kyler. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 there. I mean, we text, text message and FaceTime and things like that. Um, I mean, we're not 
we're not having dinner every single night, but yeah. we're definitely um, talking all the time. I mean, that's the, the nature of the team. You understand the leadership of the team, and you understand that the quarterback is such a vital role to the team. And the, uh, any way that I can support, any way that I can help and try and make his job uh, easier is what I'm here to do. I know it's pro- maybe a hard question to answer because you were hurt for a good part of the year, so you weren't out there every week with a lot of the guys. Uh, but who were some of the young guys on defense that stood out to you last year that you're really high on here going forward? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm looking forward to seeing them all. I mean, I think that we've got a lot of, a lot of guys. I think Marco's got a lot of potential. I think Byron obviously played extremely well. I mean, when I look around, I try and when you say young guys, they're most of the room is young in my yeah. my eyes. So um, I look at everybody. And I'm looking forward to seeing the progress. I mean, you look forward to seeing what Zaven is able to do uh, with a bigger role and, and with a full off season and an actual off season program and Isaiah having a chance to have an off-season program and being able to have that year to grow and mature and, and learn. Um, and then on the D-line, you got a bunch of young guys who you're looking to flourish and take that next step and see what they can do. So it uh, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And then obviously the, the draft picks, and we'll see what they can do. You're rare in that I mean, you were a hit right away. Not many guys come in and have the kind of impact that you did winning multiple defensive player of the year awards early on in your career. I'm, I'm curious, what's the key for guys like Zaven, Isaiah, the younger guys that, you know, have flashes, moments where things are great, but getting consistently good? What's the key for those guys, do you think? Um, I think it's all about time you put in, and I think it's about repetition and just consistency I think that the more time that you're able to commit to the job and that you're able to learn and grow and the more time that you have to learn the playbook and the plays and see as many looks as possible whether it's walkthroughs whether it's practice whether it's off-season program training camp whatever it may be and being able to do those things over and over and over again that's when you really get good I think that uh, having an off-season program is going to help them a lot because we haven't had one a true off-season program for a few years especially since they've been in the league and then it's just going out there and flying around and playing football. You know, at some point, this game comes down to making plays. It comes down to being on the field and just making plays. And I think that uh, you're going to make mistakes. Guys are going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. And I, But I think that you have to make those mistakes 100 miles an hour, and you have to make them with an intent and a focus to be trying to make plays. I'd rather a guy be doing everything in his power to make a play and screw up that way than be thinking and inside of his head and screw up because he's too slow. So they got to go out there and play. And when you do make those mistakes, you got to learn from them. Um, but it's all about repetition and consistency and, and work. When the schedule came out, was there anything that stood out to you? I know for me, the bye week being in December. Now, as a player, maybe you, you don't care. You want to go every week. I don't know. Um, I mean, the the first couple things you look at as a player is obviously who you're playing first, and then you look at the Thursday night game and the bye week, those are the two the two big ones that you do look at. And it is a little bit later, um, but, I mean, you also can't control it, so there's not much right. you can do about it. Um, the Thursday night game being at home is definitely better than being on the road. I mean, Thursday night games are what they are, but when you don't have to travel, it does make it easier on the body for sure. Um, but other than that, I mean, we knew, who's, we knew all 17 right. teams were going to play, and we're going to play them, and... I uh, look forward to kicking it off. How often do you talk with your brothers? Uh, how often did you talk to TJ 
at the end of the season when he was going for the record last year? We talked to each other many times throughout the day. I mean, we have a group chat that has probably, I don't know, 50 to 100 text messages per day in it and FaceTime with them multiple times a week, both of them. And um, we're extremely close, extremely close. And so I talked to him at length during that run and during the end of the season and everything. And uh, it was special. It was special to watch. And uh, I still think that he got it. I think that there was a – I still don't understand why he didn't get credit for that second sack in that game. But uh, hell of a year, unbelievable. You know, one of the things I love about – you and what you bring to a team is you you immediately become an ambassador for the team and for the city that you're living in and one of the things this offseason that I I don't know that I've ever seen a professional athlete do before is just decide hey I'm going to go to a bar and just hang out with the fans and have some beers like how did that come about and what was the turnout like how long did you stay it was good it was great um came about on Twitter. I don't even remember exactly how it started, but somehow we got on the topic of dive bars, and um, I started thinking that I've been in Arizona for a year but didn't really get a chance to hang out with the fans because of COVID, and we had all the rules in place, so I couldn't – wasn't much you could do last off season in terms of meeting the fans, so I wanted to do something where I could at least get out there and see the fans. And um, So we went to a dive bar, and it was great. It was actually great. You know, the one thing that I asked of the fans was if they – just be cool. Like, just, I mean, I, I, I want to do this. I want it to be great. But right. just if you're cool, it's going to be great. And to their credit, everybody was cool. Everybody was very cool. I was there for about two hours and um, just had some beer, hung out, took photos with them, signed autographs, whatever they wanted, but also got to just hang, got to hang and just talk with a few of them and got to play a full round of Golden Tea, which was great. And uh, the people were. They were really cool. They just kind of let me hang and chill, but they also – got their chances to interact and say hello and hear stories and it was a it was a great experience it's it's something that I would do again you're very philanthropic you've always been what are some of the things you have going on right now I, I assume you got go- things going on in multiple states yeah as well. we, and I was uh, just talking to my mom about it the other day we're trying to find because um, we've already donated to I believe it's either eight or ten states here in Arizona and we're we're looking at other schools in the area to try and um, continue to work with now that, that I'm here on the ground and I also want to go out and visit some of those schools and things like that. Um, when I left Houston, we did a, a half million dollar project with the Boys and Girls Club where we created um, basically digital labs for the kids to work in so that they could um, keep up with the technology of today's world and trying to make sure that they have all the tools necessary to stay up with today's society. And um, we're also working on a fundraiser for this fall, just trying to f- trying to continue um we've wanted to do my charity softball game for the last couple of years but with covid and the uncertainty of it we haven't been able to plan it because um, it takes almost a full year to plan every time and with the uncertainty we haven't been able to but i'd like to do that especially with how many great minor league stadiums there are down here sure. it's a great opportunity um but yeah just trying to find other ways to get out in the community and try and help was at dk's um camp the other day and, and got a chance to meet some of the kids in the area so I'm enjoying it. I love it out here. The people have been great. I'm very fortunate, and uh, my wife and I are really, really enjoying it down here. I know you're focused on playing football. You're very good in the setting, and you've always been good with the media. I'm curious, as you look at Tom Brady getting $400 million, Romo, Aikman, who now uh, is a colleague of mine at ESPN, like what do you think about television as, as a future for you when you're done playing football? 
if offered $400 million, I would take it. <laughs> I would take it. I'd talk about whatever they wanted me to talk about, and I would do it with a large smile on my face. So um, that's uh, – that's. I've always said, you know, early in my career, I always said I didn't want to be on – I didn't want to be an analyst. I didn't want to be on NFL shows because I – there's a aspect to it where you have to speak on other people's jobs when you don't know exactly what their assignment was. And I've always, that was one of my biggest caveats was that, you know, whether it was me playing a game and a guy was ripping on me for going in the wrong gap. And I'm like, well, you don't know that's, that was the gap I was supposed to be in and things like that. I never liked that aspect of it because you're at some point you are going to have to guess and assume that you know what that person's supposed to do. But the further along I've gotten into it and the more that, obviously someday it's going to come to an end you realize that you love the game and you want to be around the game and you do want to to have that aspect of it so you try and try and find ways to do it in a in a more positive light and I've it's definitely a consideration that has come to the forefront more for me than it did earlier in my career and I think it's something that I could be successful at and, and have have fun with so we'll see I mean it's it's still down the road a bit but I'm it's a possibility. Who knows? What about college football? Do you still like college football? Do you watch much college football or no? I enjoy watching it. Um, I do I do enjoy college football. I love the atmosphere. I, I think college football for me is much more about the fan base. It's about the culture. It's about the traditions and the history. I mean, one of my, like when I'm done, I definitely want to go to different college football towns and experience a game day atmosphere there. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to live the dream that I once had to, to just RV a full season from game day to game day, the best cities. Um, But I do want to go experience the swamp in Florida, see what that's like, Death Valley and LSU. I've been to Kyle Field at Texas A&M. Obviously, I've been to Wisconsin, Ohio State, some of these places. I would like to go to Nebraska. haven't been to a game in Nebraska. My brother said it's an unbelievable atmosphere. Um, Haven't been up to Penn State to see uh, what that's like. And there's, there's just so many different atmospheres that I would love to experience and the tailgating and the food and just everything about it. Obviously, college football has changed recently here with the landscape and the way that it is going about its business, but I still I still think there's a real special aspect to it. I like the road trip with JJ. You could probably do like an ESPN Plus like series. 400 million. That's the price tag. 400 million will make it happen. ESPN, just give me a call. You you got to go to a night game at LSU. There is nothing better than a night game at LSU. So I had uh, back, it was, shoot, it must have been seven or eight years ago now. Um, when I was down in Houston, this, one of the people I was working with endorsement-wise, it was our bye week, and they said, hey, we're going to take a private jet over to LSU. It's a night game, LSU-Alabama. And they were like 1-2 at the time. Oh, yeah. And it was our bye week, and I was dead, and I was like, I'm so tired. I just want to relax and, like, hang out here with my family. But LSU, Alabama, how do I pass this up? And I ultimately decided to pass it up just because, like, season, I wasn't going to mess up my season, and I just wanted that rest time. But that's the one time where I, I look back and I'm like, maybe I should have just gone because I hear those are pretty special. Oh, that's amazing. And Nebraska's interesting, and I know at that time when you were at Wisconsin, they were still in the Big 12, so you yeah. didn't play there. But – if you play Nebraska as a visiting player, they will cheer. That's what my brother. They will saying, applaud yeah. you. They're very nice. Yeah, that's what that's what I hear. It uh, sounds like they show up for warmups. Like it's a oh, yeah. packed stadium for warmups. And when I grew up, I was watching. I always used to watch their tunnel walk. Like I was going like back. I would watch the YouTube videos of their tunnel walk, and I thought it was the coolest tunnel walk ever. And like that was one of those things that 
as an athlete, as a high school kid, I was like, can you imagine that feeling of just walking out underneath a stadium of a hundred thousand people and their place you're just they're just waiting for you to enter the arena i just i thought that was so cool we got to get it you out here in a couple minutes so two quick uh questions on this year's team based on the start last year and even the start two years ago how important is training camp and early in the season for you guys in terms of you know building what you want to build and then also carrying it over throughout the year and being consistent so we don't have that fall off at the end of the season yeah, I mean, I think that obviously the consistency and the uh, carrying it through to the late half of the season is the important aspect right now. You have to start fast. I mean, you want to do exactly what we did last year. You want to start 7-0, and and you want to, but we need to keep it rolling. Um, so it's extremely important to us to get off to that good start, to do well early in the season, but just as important is our health and our ability to maintain as we go, and I think that's obviously what we're trying to improve upon lastly for you between now and the start of training camp what's your schedule like what do you do to get ready for the season training um i mean training every every day i mean we've got a six day a week training schedule and um we're in otas obviously right now we're we're starting up the actual practices next week but we've been together doing our what we're allowed to do right now and then we'll go through the ota phase where we actually get to play a little football which is nice and then after that, it's about a month of training. Uh, my brother's getting married, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, nice. we'll, we'll have that wedding to, to attend. And uh, But other than that, it's really just training, trying to get a couple more weekends in here there, spend time with my wife and go see my brothers and see my family and try and make sure that um, I get, get a chance to see everybody and, and hang out as much as I can because once the season comes, it becomes much more difficult. Um, get some more golf rounds in, try and improve the golf game before that goes to shit for six <laughs> months, you know, even though it's already shit, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it's really just all about training. I mean, my entire off season scope is to create the best athlete I possibly can speed, strength, flexibility, stability, um, and then hand it to the coaching staff and say, here, use, use it how you want to and go out there and play good football. Well, as somebody who was part of the 1990 Wisconsin State Championship golf team, I can tell you that the golf game always goes to crap, no matter what. It happens to us all. I shot sub-90 for the third time in my life yesterday, and I was extremely pleased with it. So I'm riding a high right now, and I'm considering retirement from golf. I don't play anymore. So I just I couldn't do it. It got too stressful, man. It's hard to get. It's hard to be good and, and get bad. Yeah, I know. I could. I could. I could understand. I look forward to hopefully experiencing that someday. Well, thanks, man, for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate. it. Great to catch up with JJ. As you can tell, just a great guy. So easy to talk to. Whether it's about the Cardinals and what happened last year, what to look forward to in 2022. Also, J.J.'s philanthropy efforts, what possibly could be his career post-playing football for the Arizona Cardinals, what he thinks about the next step for Kyler Murray and the defense, what J.J. did growing up playing hockey, and also his days at Wisconsin, as well as his time as a Bucks fan and his thoughts on Giannis and what happened with the Bucks here in the playoffs as well as the Suns. Always enjoyed talking with JJ. Hopefully Cardinal fans got a great kick out of that conversation. We're presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Hotels and Casinos. You can also follow us on Twitter at PashPod. 
I'm Dave Pash. Thanks again to J.J. Watt. You've been listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.